Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds do a deep dive on Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. Although today we're doing something a little bit different. We are continuing our interview series. We're super stoked to... Oh, uh, before I say all that, I'll tell you who I am. I'm Kylan Savage, of course, your co-host. With me as always is Mr. TJ Smith. Hey, hey. And our beautiful producer, Josh. What's up, guys? Hey. Yo. Uh, are you guys ex- excited to talk to our guest? As oh, if we God. haven't been talking been for talking. 20 <laughs> minutes before we started this? Pretend cool. like we're just starting now. Right. I'm just we're, now getting excited before I was. <laughs> you're, you're very so, blase so on it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, we have Jonathan Clark here today. What's up, Jonathan? Say hey, Jonathan. Hi, guys. Hey. Welcome. Can I ask TJ? I'm sorry. I just now saw it. I have to interrupt. TJ, the Alabama shakes in the back behind you. Can I oh, see yeah. that? Can you can you of put course. it up? Is that is that mobile? Yeah, it's the uh, it's the vital. Oh my okay. god, dude. Dude, I'm late to the party, oh. man, but I love that record, dude. How fucking it's, good is that it record? Is damn good, man. I love yeah, this dude, I, to my detriment, I've probably tried to make the last 15 songs sound like that record. Can't do it. I, I get it. it. Dude, I get it. Chase that, man. Yeah. Chase that for the rest of your life, I say. Which record is yeah. it for our listeners out there? Sound and oh, color. Yeah. Sound and color. Thanks, Josh. Uh, so for those who may not know, uh, Jonathan Clark... We I've known you for a long time, but let's 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 talk about some of your credits. Uh, currently, uh, your main gig is composing for TV, which is super cool. I want to talk yeah, about that a little it. bit. Uh, before that, uh, you know, you he worked with Chris Caraba, uh, Dashboard Confessional, and Twin Forks, and Further Seems Forever. Uh, and before that, when I first met him, he was a <laughs> rapper going by the name Crudbot. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I remember those. I forgot about That's all that. That's a deep that. cut yeah, reference, dude. Kylan. Yeah. Pretty deep. Like both literally and metaphorically, it's a deep <laughs> cut to my heart. And yeah. I, I don't it. know, man. I fucking love that Crudbot EP. We don't have to talk Thanks, about that. Thanks, man. But I, no, I, talk I, about anything you want, man. I mean, I, I'm a fucking nerd about all this shit, you know? Whether I like uh, yeah. it or not doesn't mean I'm not a nerd, you know? Dude, well, that's why I wanted to have you on. You've been you've been at the top of my guest list, like, since we started the podcast. I think oh. the other guys can attest to that. Like, from the genesis of the podcast, I was like, hey, if we ever start doing interviews, like, we should have Jonathan on, so. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad yeah. to be here. For us. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where 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 are you living? What are you doing? Man, I'm in uh, Franklin, Tennessee right now, which is maybe like half hour south of Nashville and uh, just a little suburb. And um, I, I work from home, man. I'm in my studio now. This is in my garage. I uh, compose for TV. Uh, there's a couple different libraries I work for. And uh, a lot of the stuff is like, um, like you know, reality shows and... Uh, so stuff you've seen on Netflix, like um, Selling the OC and, uh, you know, Queer Eye, How to Build a Sex Room. I got some some teams oh, in there. Oh, wow, really? And, oh, that's uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's cool. So a lot of these shows, you know, they, they go to a library for a big bulk of music. Right. You know? So right. how do you, I'm just curious, like, ask someone that works for, like, you know, uh, submitting stuff to, like, these libraries. Do you get, like, personally, do you get notifications when your stuff gets picked up by specific productions, or do you just, like, stumble on it, like, watching TV? It's usually stumbling, man. It's very, wow. very few, like, um with the library stuff, man, it just gets used. And mm-hmm. uh, if you're lucky, you hear it, you know, like, if you if you happen right. to watch that show. 
Um, but then you know how your, your, your PRO is like, you know, something that happened two years ago, you're just now getting paid for, you know, that right. Right. So mm. it takes a while to build up that, you know, like to, you know, to where you're, you're getting paid and you weren't just in the dark, you know, but then for some sync stuff. So I do, I work for some other companies too. They actually, uh, they, they offer, they have a bid, you know, the company's like, Oh, here's a, we've offered them a quote or whatever for usage of the song. Right. And, uh, but still, n- nobody really gives a shit after that. It's, nobody's gonna email you and be like, "Here's your clip, bro." You know, like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they, they're they're exhausted. You know, they're yeah, on to the everything's, next thing. Uh, I imagine everything's moving so fast that it's not like they're yeah. gonna sit down and write you a little personal email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's but it's 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 great, man. Um, my sister, she watches a lot of these shows, man, and, and she'll be like, you know, she'll send me like a, you know, she'll video the the TV and. Like, is this you? And it's like, you know, she's, I guess, recognizing my voice or something. But um, but I have a lot of instrumental yes. shit, too, man. Um, so those those are always fun, man. Those those are ones where, uh, I mean, it could be anything, man. It could be from something that sounds like folk and Americana to, like, you know, Bruno Mars, you know, or right. anywhere in between. It could be anything, you know. So I, I like that because it's always something different. Yeah, do you enjoy the variety of it? Like, do you sort of seek yeah. out trying to mix it up, like, when you're composing, trying to kind of... Yeah, and I think it's it's helped different. with like maybe the hybridization maybe of some genres too. You know, it's because like mm-hmm. I love like a distorted eight oh eight as much as I do mandolin. You know, so right. it's nice to be able to go back and forth. And then, you know, I also like in, anything that's like I don't know one hundred and ten to one hundred and thirty beats per minute either ends up sounding like Billy Jean or you drop the bomb on me. You know, it's all <laughs> it's always the same thing. Just like how many songs can I put fucking talk box on, you know? But, uh, <laughs> All every of them. song. Yeah. yeah. Every Hopefully, yeah. Every song. <laughs> the songs that you're making for those, like how long are they? Are you doing like full songs or like you shoot for like 45 uh, seconds? They usually like, they're like about two minutes. And, okay. you know, as far as far as the form of them, it's also helpful too that like you got to think like there's an editor going through, a, you know, a huge, you know, library or folder or whatever. Right. You know, he's just clicking through just like yeah. we click through playlists like, oh, bullshit, right. bullshit, bullshit, you know. Sure. So it helps to really just like bang and just start with a chorus. Just, I mean, it's the best thing you can do, you know? Yeah. It's just like right out the gate, big chorus, come down for a verse, maybe a like a pre-chorus or something, and then and then maybe ramp it up. You could go into a mega chorus after that or maybe like an EDM-style drop chorus into a mega chorus, you know? This is sounding like Kylan's favorite kind of music to listen to. <laughs> right right to the chorus. It just doesn't it waste yeah. any time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get right there, the there's like it. some poll, man, like our, our uh, statistic or something, and it was it was it was more than uh, more than fifty percent of like modern songs starting with the chorus, especially you mm-hmm. know like hip hop songs, and yeah, because it's the same thing, man. Or the whole shit's the chorus. I mean, think about fucking Gucci Gang or something like that. Whole sh- right. the whole damn song <laughs> is the chorus, you know. Like <laughs> that's great. There's a reason why Jonathan Clark is such a big part of my of my origin story, right? You're just like you're like the coolest fucking dude. I'm just like I'm. You're the coolest I'm, fucking dude. Are you kidding? Oh, uh, <laughs> this is cute. You're the coolest fucking dude. I like this. Um, okay, so let's talk ju- just very, 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 very briefly uh, because there's so many other much more fascinating things to talk about. But let's talk about our connection a little bit, if that's cool. Yeah, establish yeah. that. Establish the lore. I first met you at Ocean's Edge School of yeah. Worship, which listeners of this podcast I think will know. I went to, you were my guitar teacher, and you also taught uh, music production. You're the one that introduced me to Ableton Live, which nice, I have yes. since been proselytizing 
Oh, yeah. You then introduced me <laughs> to Ableton Live. We're right, man. It is, it's the so. fucking number one thing, man. That's what it, everybody is using. You know it, what I mean? Like, it's so good. For the most part. Right. Whatever. And Maybe I, not. Like I, you know, and I... <laughs> done the whole pro tools and everything but i always just like i just i'm so comfortable with with yeah. ableton live and the the coolest thing i think is right after i graduated you asked me out on tour and that <laughs> was like best. one of the coolest experiences of my life that was a cool experience for me too man i had a ton of fun on that dude i mean i still that's it like i don't know if you can see it my wife where is that am i pointing to it as yellow on that back yeah door? yeah, yeah. She she found it somewhere. Like you know how like you'll have like a big fucking atlas or something and a bunch of posters and shit in it. And right, she right. was like going through it or something. And I was like, oh shit. So I, you know, I hung it up because I was too. We're, we're we're all pretty like fucking like thin and like gnarly looking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I was like I can look like that again. Fuck you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Hey, you gotta send me. You gotta take a picture of that and send it to me so yeah. we can we can oh, yeah. use that to promo. Yeah, dude. That was like that was like. I don't know. I because I've been playing music like I did music and stuff in high school, but one I just learned a lot um, just from like hanging out with you, and then like doing that tour was like a real eye-opening experience. The, the only thing that that I regret is that I wasn't twenty-one, so I couldn't I couldn't drink on that yeah. tour. I feel like it would have been a lot more fun. Uh, and Mike did turn twenty-one. He did, yeah, he did. Yeah. And I was, I was nineteen, I think. You I get was, to be the DD the whole tour, a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor! Well, uh, I, I guess we should explain for the listener. It was called the Handmade Tour, and the whole premise was like the three of us like handmade like our CDs and our merch and like all yeah. that kind of stuff. And you just kind of booked it. it was super DIY. But at some point on the tour, we just started calling it the Hand Job Tour. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. All right, but who cares? Let's talk about something more interesting. Josh, I know you have some questions. Do you want to ask Jonathan some questions? I do. I'm curious. So we always talk about your origin stories and like how you grew up and like how you got into music. I don't know if you have like a really cool story or if you just want to like touch on like, (laughs) did you grow up like listening to Christian music or just kind of whatever? And then how did you get your way, find your way into music? Yeah, um, well, uh, both my parents uh, are musical. Like, my mom sings and plays piano. I mean, she was never in a band or anything like that, but she's definitely, you know, sings Yet. and plays. You know, it was yeah. it was an occurrence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're going to have the family reunion. There you go. Uh, band. And then my dad, um, my dad played guitar and is definitely a, kind of like a tech guy. I mean, um, I remember being, a, you know, a little, little kid and, and when I would have, like, weekend visitation I mean, sometimes I would be helping, not helping, I'm a little kid, but I'd be, you know, there while they're, while they're, uh, everybody's loading in for, uh, there was a band, it's like, uh, called Beach Music, you familiar with that term? That's like a mm-hmm. funny one, I don't know, but um, some southern shit, right? Yeah, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so I was around that at a young age, you know, sometimes I'd wake up, like, you know, they had a two-bedroom condo, and so the second bedroom for him is obviously the music room. So, but when I was there on the weekend, you know, I'd wake up to him playing like Van Halen or some shit, you know, like, um, and there's always music in the house. He always had like a hi-fi. Um, and you know, a couple of things I remember is, you know, the, the early CD players, you know, so he kind of got into that, you know, he's just not like full hi-fi nerd, but you know what I mean? Right. But wanting to keep up with technology. Yeah, yeah. But I remember, uh, had brothers in arms, that CD. And that was like one of the first recordings that was recorded digitally, but it was also like on a digital tape machine, like a Sony. What what is that thing called? Three three Tascam or no? It's it's like the Sony. It's the thirty three. I don't know. It's whatever Chris Lord uh, mixed from for a long time. Hmm. But um, anyway, 
No, nah, man, I, I, I can still, like, hear that, like, now, just that shit loud as hell, like, on a Saturday morning, man, <laughs> fucking, you know, uh, Money for Nothing or something like that. And uh, I still think that's the best guitar riff, opening guitar riff ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's at least top ten. And can so we have good. some kind of top tens of, because we're all musicians, right? We got to have right. some guitar shit, right? Yeah, dude. But, uh. But no, man, but, um, but you know, I was exposed to that a lot, and it definitely shaped me. My mom's a fucking wild-ass, red-headed South Carolina woman with, like, a turquoise, you know, Monte Carlo <laughs> and um, white leather interior and fucking 100 miles an hour listening to, like, Leonard Skinner and shit. God, you, know? you make like, so much more sense to me now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, also, too, but, but my age group, like, I mean, I still remember, this is just, like, even before music, just, like, the influence of music. I still remember, like, I don't know, fucking fourth grade or sixth grade, something like that. This kid, Brian Williams, he had like his headphones on at recess and he's like, listen to this shit and put it on and it's fucking Tribe Called Quest scenario. And my nice. little white ass had no idea what was going on. You know what I You're mean? You're making even like, more sense. It's all I was like, all this I is, <laughs> I was like, this is it. And so kind of at that point, you know, I found like uh, 90.5 was the college station and they would always play like hip hop and shit. I mean, college stations are always cool, you know, when right. radio is a, a thing, right? And, um, you know, kind of all that stuff was an influence, man. And then um, I, I was big into skateboarding for a long time. And one of the guys I skateboarded with, he played guitar. His brother was in a band. And it was like, it just kind of, you know, put two and two together for me. Hmm. You know, like skateboard culture and then like music. And I don't know if any of you guys skate, but, you know, you watch like skate videos. It's like hip hop song, punk rock song, like a mm-hmm. David Bowie song. You know, it's yeah, just right, like right. this wild blend of shit it's like playlist generation before playlist generation right you know right and so i think that was maybe like the the fucking the stew you know what i mean and then when i you know we got into guitar man um the first thing we played there's a kid down the street lewis man huge best friend um for a long time he played drums and uh in eighth grade i think i've been playing guitar for maybe like a year and uh, we played uh, Anarchy in the UK at our school's <laughs> talent show. Nice. Yeah. nice. Uh, yeah. And uh, But there's this other band that, uh, and these guys, are, uh, uh, his, his name's uh, Corey. I'm spacing his last name. He's, he's a recording engineer now, too. He was in the other band. And they, they played About a Girl, Nirvana, and they won, you know. Mm. But whatever. <laughs> You're not, You're not, not still salty about, about it. About it. Yeah. No, I'm not salty about it. <laughs> but anyway, um. I think uh, at that point, uh, so, with the, okay, so the guy that got me into it, basically, his name is Brian Connor. He's in a band called uh, Villanova, and he's in South Carolina. His brother, uh, Chris Connor, was a, was in a band um, called Sourwood Honey, which was a very big regional band, um, kind of at the time of Hootie and the Blowfish, stuff like that. And, I mean, they were older than us, so they kind of already had, like, a practice space and gear and shit. Right. And so they would let us, you know, jam over there sometimes. But the main thing was Chris gave us a Tascam with the 414, the like the gray four-track kind of, you know, yeah. tape cassette, multi-track yeah. recorder. And, dude, that kind of started it. So, you know, we're like basically late in high school, and, you know, we've got a four-track and older brothers to buy us beer. We're like, you know, right. life is good, you know? <laughs> what an edge. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like ahead of the curve, man. I mean, looking back, man, it, it's weird because I, I feel like, like in some ways I was, but there was also kids – our age already on Pro Tools at that point in time. You know what wow. I mean? You're talking about like yeah, 1996, wow. 97, like right. already on Pro Tools, already. I mean, that's so serious. That's like such mm-hmm. a jump uh-huh. in, in capability, you know? Um, but anyway, you just, you know, start recording. And then, man, um, at, at some point, 20 or so, uh, 
man, I, I got in some serious trouble at a job I was working at, man. I, I got, you know, I had to spend the night at jail and get put on probation and all kinds of shit. And that dude, that just set me off like that, like that kind of, uh, what's, what's, what's the verse? Raise, raise your child in the ways of the old, he will not forget them. What's some shit like that? What is that? Yeah. 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 Something like raise that. your okay. child up in the way you should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Yeah. And, um, more or less. Or some shit. Paraphrased everything. <laughs> That's a loose translation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think some of that in my upbringing, because I had a very like religious, zealous kind of like aunt when I was real little that stayed with us when my parents mm-hmm. were first divorced. So you kind of had like mom number two, like pouring some religious honey into you, you know? Right. Anyway, uh, man, I just had like this whole kind of- Also, like, I just know, have to interrupt. Religious honey yeah. is a great name for a fucking album. <laughs> That's just like such a good name. Great metaphor. Dude, yeah. I, I'm sitting down, but put it on your whiteboard. You know, like do it. Yeah, write it. I need I need to write that in my notes. Yeah. yeah. No, man, I I'd started uh there was there was a guy I went to school with, Simeon Cardwell. Uh and and he was just like I mean, just such a gentle, great dude, man. And he was just like I think he could kind of just tell shit was going on with me. He started coming over to the house, you know, and um but he invited me to church. I mean, the first time I ever played at church was like a small non-denominational church where, you know, they have that that singer-songwriter guy come in and the church is the backup band, whatever you call right, that sort right. of circuit, right? In retrospect, how terrible must that be every time? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's got to be awful. Like, yeah, that's got to be a tough game. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyway, but... um. And I was there, man, and like, dude, I I was I was fully into it at that point, man. And to be honest, I was trying to clean my shit up, and and you know, there's there's a parallel between like, you know, like doing drugs and going to like a Grateful Dead show or something. You know what I mean? Not the Dead because they were, you know, but Fish or something. You know, <laughs> that you know, what I'm saying that sort of like fully. What do, of, what do you yeah, call yeah, that? Yeah, it's like you know, a like immersive, experience, like yeah. immersive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. So if you're into that, the transition to like Christian music or worship music, maybe more specifically, right? You know, isn't it's not like that big of a deal, you know? Right, like right. It, so it was easy to kind of go through that, and then um, I've never been like a full like schooled theory nerd, but I've definitely you know always tried to be aware of what chords and music and stuff. So you know that, and then just kind of like you know having some insight into recording and stuff like that. That just kind of always made me hopefully somewhat valuable in some of those situations, you know, somebody's right, right. tech savvy, right? You know, once I started going, that was actually the first time I started writing songs. I felt like I had like an outpouring of things to say, you know, hmm. and, um, you know, something to sing about more or less. And, uh, right. so, so I, I did that. And then, uh, not long after that, I met my wife. Not long after that, we moved to Florida and, you know, like 26, I'm at Ocean's Edge, you know? Yeah. Where are we at in this story? I know we can edit this, but I, 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 <laughs> I, I is no, that's yeah. that's 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 like yeah. the perfect that gets no, us up good. to the speed of what we know, and I do want yeah. to because I kind of lo- I looked up your uh, discogs credits and everything like that. Send me the link, man. I have no idea. What <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> You're yeah. Jonathan Clark, number six. There's a there's five. Uh, there's a lot of those apparently. Guys, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. Funny. A lot of '80s kids named Jonathan for sure. Possibly, yeah. So I want to kind of because like we're going to talk about like further seems forever and some twin forks and stuff like that. Josh, can you just ask the first question? Is that what you're doing? I just am, ask I the am first one. question that's yes. on on our document okay. that the three of us have access to. Don't okay. be mean, Kylan. <laughs> I'm not being no, mean. No, I was leading like... up to it because this is like one of your first credits, and I just I'm just like, I'm okay. so excited about it and the way that it's worded. Can you can you just ask it the way that it is in the document? Okay, our first thing in is walk us through your career. First bullet point: Dwight Yoakam. What? Please explain. 
Spit take. Uh, no, <laughs> I have never worked with Dwight Yoakam. That's a different Jonathan <laughs> that's a Clark. Different man. Jonathan Clark. Okay, yeah. that's Jonathan Clark five or four. I fucking but, wish though, yeah. just for the right. I yeah. wish. Well, yeah. your Discogs biography credits, whatever, it looked great because you got some like Dwight Yoakam in there. You got like some other. I'll have to look and see. You got some Somebody other. Somebody you mixed up with stuff. another Jonathan man. Okay, I yeah, was like, it happens. What? Have you done? <laughs> I had no idea. Like, how? How did you get involved did, in this? Yeah. Also, okay. with Dwight Yoakam, what did I make a record when I was like eight years old? You know <laughs> right. I mean? like, right. Doing stuff in the nineties. Josh thought we had a huge get. It's like this dude has worked with Dwight Yoakam, and I Tell didn't correct Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you probably okay. So, what is like your first credit that would be on the first? correct credit of like something that you worked on or I ha- okay or i have seen some of those ocean's edge records okay. uh that we did for the school i have seen those show up here or there you know what i mean hmm. i don't you know i don't know so if if that's but as far as like a anything that's on a label like a real you know like a real record would be further seems forever okay yeah and, tell uh, us that about was penny then black how you got uh, hooked up with chris so uh so when we were working at uh at at Ocean's Edge somehow okay so Ryan Alexander mm-hmm. he he was hanging out with Steve from Further and cuz you know Further's all was all in South Florida at the time right and um and they got to know a guy named David Stone who had a band named Comanche and so it ended up I met Steve and jammed with Ryan and Steve and then Steve introduced me to David and David had a bunch of tracks that he was performing to, like no, like no in ears or anything, just like computer through like a fucking fifteen inch Mackie on stage, just loud as shit, you know. And um, and so we played that gig, and with Steve and Dave, Dave was just a front man's fucking sick. But I think at that point, Steve was like, "Oh, this guy, you know, plays guitar, but is also kind of a computer guy, you know, or a recording guy." And so he kind of put two and two together for me on that. And Chris had a a warehouse but that he was recording that some stuff and that's where you know the the further stuff was recorded and the twin forks uh he just introduced me man and i came by a practice one time because steve steve is 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 a steve's a heavy hitter man so it's like not uncommon for you know him to fucking break a stand or a snare or a cymbal or you know some shit and i lived really close to their studio and so after we met and then one time he's like he's like man do you have a i think it was like a snare and a snare stand he needed you know and uh and so I brought that over and, and, you know, hung out a little bit. And then, you know, later I, I, you know, Chris and I texted back and this was, I was, you know, still at Calvary and, uh, the, the guy who had started the record, Mike Fanuel, he had some other stuff going on. And so he, he kind of called me and he was like, you know, kind of gave me a rundown on the studio. And, uh, and so we just kind of started working on some stuff, but the, you know, one of the first things we actually worked on was a, a cover of that big star song uh I'm in love with a girl mm. and and that was another phone because I was super into slide at the time and I could do like that kind of like a solo thing on on slide and uh because it's you know kind of folksy and country you know that that right. sort of thing and that was a lot of fun quick weird note about that they were using he's on a g5 but they were using some kind of early backup like auto backup like a, what's it called in Mac automator you know what like I'm talking the, about? Yeah, yeah. Time machine? Or? No, it's, it's pre-time oh, okay. machine. So it's oh, automator. Yeah. But you mm, could automate, right. you know, get it. It's like a early scripting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Chris's brother uh, had set it up for him, and it worked great. But one of us fucked something up. And, dude, it was a <laughs> wrap, man. And so I ended up, they, they, you know, had to get the drive fixed and all this shit. And I had to piece this shit 
in Pro Tools together from just the file of recorded files, which you know oh has doesn't God. tell you where on the timeline anything Ooh, is. Oh, right. You got all the fragments of everything. And it's just like, a, you know, putting together a puzzle. And so uh, that was pretty geez. intensive. But I did feel like whatever it's worth, I mean, clearly I have a fucking self-worth issue, but I, I felt like I got to, like, prove myself that, like, <laughs> hey, hey, everything not only got fucked up, we, we put it back together, you know? Right. But then I think, you know, the uh, we, we started working a little bit on further because uh, Mike and the band had tracked, I would say, 75% of drums, guitars, bass, you know what I mean? Like that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But there was the majority of the songs hadn't had the lead vocal cut, and so and and some of them weren't written as well, you know. So I was there when Chris was writing a lot of that stuff. Is this an okay timeline? Am I going fast? No, or anything no, like this that? is yeah, this yeah. is this is perfect. Okay, uh, we're we're all wrapped with yes. With, <laughs> like keep we're, going. It's yeah, great. Like this great. is exactly the kind of shit we just like want to hear about. Okay, perfect. Yeah. You know, the bones of the record is pretty much recorded. And so, you know, we're, we're doing work on vocals. And so a lot of that stuff is, um, you know, Chris writing his lyrics and going in. And, uh, you know, every every now and then, I think with, with the, the bed of the track, you know, maybe we shorten the intro or cut a bar here or there or something like that. But you guys also know the music. It's not like they need any help cutting bars or, you know what I right, mean? Right, right. like, <laughs> shit's psycho sometimes, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we did most of that. And then, and then it kind of came time. And I think that, Maybe maybe we had nine tracks, ten tracks, something like that. And I think the label at the time wanted there, – there's something about like having 12, you know what I mean, or something to make it feel like a little more full length, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. I forget what the exact number was. But um, so uh, there was one that they were, they were kind of working on, and that's the So Cold song. And so I, I was fortunate enough that, you know, to oh, wow. do that from the ground up. And so that's mm. also probably why it's like like that Just song is on. Just single. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, but you're like – that sounds a little different, you know. That was that was fun, man. Because, like I said, I mean, they had the guts of that song. It was just more or less like a, like engineering and and kind of producing on the level, like I said, of like, can we get to this place quicker or or something like that. But it was, I mean, it's a pretty pop kind of arrangement already. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like the sensibility. I have a question, real quick. So on yeah. that record, like, how did you go from the guy that brought an extra snare in a snare stand? <laughs> to what you ended up doing on that record like just from like hanging out and you're like hey i can do this shit or like what how tell me about how that happened after after the you know the, the snare drum or the the come like meet everybody and shake everybody's hand you know that kind of thing you know chris had hit me up and that's when we recorded the big star song it was like and and i also find that kind of a fun way to you know have like a first date with a you know, a, a new artist or singer or writer or something sometimes right. just to connect over cover material. Nobody's got any skin in the game, like, emotionally. You know, right, like, it's right. not their baby. It's so you know? neutral, yeah. That's smart. Yeah, and so, and I think that's a good way for, you know, people to meet, you know, and, and to kind of learn how to how they're working together. And so so we just, we did well like that. And I want to say the first time we recorded that, yeah, okay, so... Chris is a fucking student, man. That dude is like, I mean, he is just, he's a student man of stuff, man. He, you know, he practices, he works, man. He's like, you know, he's a, he's kind of like an Olympiad, you know what I mean? Like, right. if you, is that, if that's the right word, you know, but, um, but I remember at the time he's like, he's like, he was really getting into fingerstyle guitar, like, like full on, you know, fingerstyle. And so he had the, I'm in love with a girl. I think he had that shit tabbed out like barb, like it was like a lead sheet, oh, you know what I mean? And, um, hmm. but it was like an exercise for him too. Like he was making it up and learning it and you know what I mean? Like remembering it and everything. Right. 
And so that was just like no big deal. There's just like the guy that's the sexiest man in America on GQ or whatever the fuck that was wrote out a chart. And can we record this in a place you've never recorded on? And I'd never use Pro Tools HD. You know, I'd use Pro Tools LE and Ableton and, and Logic even early on. But um, learning the routing of that was like insane. No visual communication because, you know, he's like they had a booth there, but they're not like all real big on like fucking looking at each other, you know, while they're doing right. the thing. Um, unless they're in the same room, you know. Anyway, yeah, so we recorded that. So I I think maybe that was, you know, sort of like, well, this guy can hang. Hopefully that was the impression yeah. I gave, you know. I mean, it seems like it. <laughs> I, I guess, man. It was it was fun. Like though, kind of I, objectively but, based on like what you did after that. I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know, the, the funny thing, though, is I kind of remember um, – you ever seen one of those memes? It's like uh, like when you're um, interviewing for a job, like you're also interviewing the employer, you know? And that's right. like a hard thing to get your mind around when you're a younger person, you know, because you're always like scared. Like, I hope I get this fucking I job flipping right, hamburgers, right. you know? <laughs> and um, and so, you know, doing that, I think I kind of realized that, um, you know, like all the stuff, you know, that I'd been working on, it just kind of like prepared me for that moment. And, you know, we just had a good experience and – but the main thing that I thought was that when he pulled the chart out and he was able to say like bar 40, bar, you know, 62, mm-hmm. like, or, or, you know, like when he says like when I'm, you know, sliding from that A minor to G or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's actual music. It's like, you know, it means a lot that he's like a big, you know, he's a, he's a star. Right. Right. But it also meant a lot that like we could communicate like on a mutual level. Like it wasn't yeah, yeah. just like, you know, how sometimes studio shit is, man. People are just like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like right, that. Like, right. Yeah, you guys were actually able to communicate. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, so that was that was really nice. We hit it off. And also too, I mean, I literally lived I don't know, half a mile from the studio, you know? Well, that's helpful. I mean, you've you've been over to that apartment, I think, when you were in, you had to have been over. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, my yeah. apartment when I lived in OE. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's like right around the corner from that, man. And um okay. I, I remember the call. Do you remember at Calvary when you do like ensembles or like what it was in the gym and it was in that, that back room in the gym, uh-huh. right? And yeah. we would more often than not walk out the back door. Like if you had right. to leave, you know, you'd walk out the back door and come around through the across the basketball mm-hmm. courts to the canteen, all that shit. I remember walking out there definitely on a Samsung that still had buttons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. Taking the call, and that was Mike, and Mike was giving me the rundown on, you know, the the computer setup and the patch bay and stuff like that, and just, and I also think that that was probably looking back on Chris's side or management side, that was like a preemptive call from a serious tech dude who had made the record, you know what I mean? Like, like right, kind of right. vetting me, you know, to some extent. I was just gonna say, I think what you're describing is like an audition, and it's like you said, it's two ways. It's like they're mm-hmm. auditioning you, you're auditioning them. And the more you work together, the more you find that you're just a good fit for each other. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, yeah it and is, You made man. a great record and, uh, together. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I, I, Man, I, I think so much of Chris's songwriting, man. That was another thing, too. It's like you're in the wild and like – sorry, saying the wild. You're out and like maybe there's like a band playing and somebody has like a saxophone, you know what I'm talking about? And you oh. like hear it and you're like, holy shit, a saxophone. You know what I mean? It's like so bizarre. <laughs> like it's right, like, right. Yeah, we don't ever get to hear that tonality or something like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, and just being around Chris, man, like, you know, his, his songwriting and his vocals and just like his fucking, 
I mean, you've heard the guy, you know, like the way he sings and sounds, man. It was just like, it was overwhelming, you know? It was, it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. That's so rad. I get it, man. I thought it was so cool when uh, you text me when I was living in Dallas that you're like, hey, I'm playing bass for Dashboard Confessional. You want to come hang out? Because, like, <laughs> Chris Caraba is, I would say, 90% of the reason I started writing music in high school. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, that was super cool. Dude, can I give you one quick note about that show that you were at? Yes, please. So something also is that like, um, you know, I've definitely, my dad taught me early on how to like intonate a guitar or adjust a truss rod or something uh-huh. like that. So in, so, you know, anybody in a band that something's fucked up, I end up be, you know, trying to fix it for him. Right. 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 And <laughs> at that show, Chris broke a string. I can't remember what the interlude is, how like, but I remember taking the guitar to the tent behind stage, like mm-hmm. running, changing the string, putting it on, like getting it up, you know, getting it on there and getting it tight, and then realizing most dumbass mistake is like high E string, had it wound the, the wrong direction on backwards. the peg head. Oh, yeah, backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I had this like, take it away and put another one on, you know, and oh. then like, and, and tighten it up and fucking ran back and uh, gave it to Chris. And I can't remember what the thing was. And, uh, and there was also some issue. At, there was one song. It was so funny to me because, like, uh, you know, like Capo One. If you like Chris and mm-hmm. I called it like the Devil's Capo. Like you <laughs> fuck up every song if you're Capo yeah. One. Like you're, there's no right, right. Like just because it's do like it, you know? just the off Devil's enough capo. that like yeah. Yeah. So it's the Devil's Capo. But um, anyway, uh, there, there was one song that was Devil's Capo, and uh, one of us came in you know that the wrong half step oh, no. and it was it it was kind of fun because it felt like being part of the family that it was just like nobody really cared but right. it was kind of fun fucking with each other about like who who did it you know yeah, like right. and you nobody would fess up but i don't know if any of us knew to be honest either but that's hmm. so good that's great josh do you want to ask a so jonathan here's the thing josh is our secret weapon on this podcast He organizes everything. He archives everything. He keeps everything. He is so much more well-equipped to do this than TJ or I. So he came up with some really good questions, and I want to give him another opportunity to ask you a couple more questions, if that's cool. He's the keeper of the keys. I love it, man. I love the questions. I'm having a good time. Good. Well, and we're all, like, producers and, like, songwriters, so I love, like, hearing about, like, the extent that you were involved in like the songwriting process, like when you yeah. came in and like the, like one of my questions was like, were you in like a traditional producer role or, or like kind of a more glorified engineer? But it sounds like you kind of did a little bit of both kind of stuff. Cause you came in after some of the songs were already done or mostly done, but you got to be with there for yeah. so cold. Well, okay. Well, in, in short, man, like as far as like the songwriting process for, um, you know, I didn't play any instruments on on any of that except for maybe one song, and I think it's called a uh, System of Symmetry. Like I did a bunch of programming yes. on that. That's one that mm. like is kind of maybe more front loaded by me. And then, but all the other stuff, man. I mean, it's like, I mean, like, it's not like you wouldn't want to write with Chris, but why would you want to get in his way of? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like. <laughs> Like, it's almost like, like Van Halen, like, hey, why don't you try this? And so, you know, <laughs> like, why would you do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just and, go and, along and, for and the those, ride. Yeah. And, and as far as the band, it's like, you know, those guys are like, I mean, they're, they're uh, 
like just kind of I guess you would almost say like old school like fucking hardcore kids. You know what I yeah, mean? Like are. I mean it's like that's kind of you know a lot of the stuff they were in. You know like everything post like Big Black or something. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best thing you can do in that moment is try to capture everything the right way. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and like kind of let them do their thing. Yeah, they didn't need any help in the in the you know the composition of anything. It was just again mostly just like you know if you were trying to punch something in or you know get another take of something or you know like even be able to play back and play back different playlists with the band in the room. Do we like this take? Do we like this take instead? You know, like on drums, something like that. What would you call the role that you had then for that record? Would you have been like, yeah, I was a producer or like in how you work with music, what would you call yourself? I mean, technically I was like a co-producer because like I said, a lot of those tracks, like even like, let's say the vocal's not there. I mean, those guys made decisions on the tone and the arrangement and the, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I wasn't even there for like a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? I was like there after the fact. And um and then I mixed it, so I guess it's kind of like co-producer and mixer, you know, for that yeah, record. Because you had to kind of land the plane conceptually, right? Boom! Like that it took off. You had to. That's land going it. on the whiteboard. You have to <laughs> land the plane. Mm. <laughs> that one is good, dude. Yeah, Damn! You put that. Wow, on I'm your not resume. getting up, but I'm, plane I'm, lander. I'm right. I love that. How you're just like, yeah, I just brought on the snare one day, and the next thing you know, I'm producing, <laughs> mixing the record, I'm landing like, the plane. <laughs> I'm landing I'm the pilot. <laughs> I brought the pilot a bag of peanuts, and next thing you know, I got the sticks. <laughs> like, so scary. I've been telling y'all for years, Jonathan Clark is the coolest fucking dude that I know. <laughs> it's true, man. Oh well, and the God, downplay man. of it, too. He's just, I know, he's just like, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what you would say I did. I mixed I brought the a snare and then... It's <laughs> <laughs> the best, man. I that's great. It. Well, that's perfect. I do have. I'm glad that you said you mixed it rec- the record too, because uh, I'm in this, like this Facebook group, and someone was talking about that record because it's coming up on 10 years, and that's kind of why we're talking about it now. Um, and he he mentioned I wanted to get your take on it because his I he said that the production was a little bit weird on it, and I was like, oh, what about it? Because we're gonna be talking to that producer, and he said Chris's voice sounds like it's way over auto tuned, even though it doesn't really seem to be the case. I'm not sure it's, if it's some odd chorus or something, but it's a weird choice and turned off a lot of fans, but I got over it because the songs are dope. So I was like, do you know like what he was talking about? If that was like... Yeah, man, and that's that's been a topic. And I'll tell you what, for, for me, and this is something to my detriment, is that like, um, it's not that I intentionally try and change something, but I do, I can be like heavy-handed on stuff. Like I just tend to bring my own you know, like identity or taste to something, whatever I'm doing, Mm. you know, in in me thinking, and it probably wasn't even, you know, it was, it wasn't for me to say, but I kind of felt like, okay, this band's coming back and like, you know, this is going to be like, hopefully like a big record for them. But also like, you know, it's whatever year it is. And like, you know, I want to be like competitive and, and, and kind of unique, you know, you know, and it's like, they, you know, they already had like, you know, some records where it was like, you know, it just sounds like a four-piece band and no effects. And you know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. it sounds like, and like clearly the songs, I mean, the Bradley is still like the the baddest fucking song ever. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, a lot of that stuff's like really, really kind of dry and stuff. But um, it's almost like, um, I mean, if you're all mixers and engineers, it's like, you know, like when you start to hear S's and you start fucking with DSing, it's like, it's all over. It's like all you hear, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? And so... So also too, when you're producing music and like, you've been trying to like have a fucking riser or a whip or, you know, a pad underneath a traditional guitar chorus or it's something, you know what I mean? It's like, or fucking kind of extensive modulated, you know, throws on a vocal or something. When you don't hear those, you know, it just, it just sounds like kind of 
unfinished, you know? And mm, so man. I think that was maybe a sensibility that I took in. And, and man, you know, some too is like, I hope I didn't ruin their, you know, legacy for them with that record. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to make something cool and a unique, I'd take a chance maybe, you know? Yeah. Well, although it I mean, probably I wasn't my so. place to say that, you know? And I'd be curious to know, was there conversation between you and Chris and any of the other folks that were involved in the record about those choices? Like, how much of that back and forth of, like, here's a version of a mix, here's a version of a mix was happening during the Yeah, process. I mean, we definitely went through revisions, and most of that stuff was, like, something up or down in a section. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, vo- you know, vocal up or, you know, Nick's guitar down in this section or Chad up or, you know, whatever. So those things happened, but they weren't so production. I think, I mean, if I just have to imagine, I can't really speak for those guys per se, but um, I think that like every band, every band wants to do something different every time around. Sure, the right. fan base wants the same fucking record. But yeah. also if they get the same record, they're going to shit yeah, on it. And they're going to be pissed. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. they don't they haven't changed. <laughs> yeah. You can't so, win. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm all for taking a chance, man, you know, and, and I think those guys were excited about it. And I think the label was excited about it, you know, um. But, you know, I was like very early in my skills, man. Like, you know, like I, you know, I, I'm not going to listen to it. I'll cry. I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that being said, uh, you know, I learned a lot. But I remember when we got it mastered, I do remember an email that I got from the mastering guy. I'm sorry I'm spacing on his name because, you know, everybody's lovely to work with. But he was like, are these songs mixed by different people? and i kind of was like i was like well you know what if you're talking about me and all the other fuckers in my head like maybe you know like like maybe it was response yeah so i don't know but i I do think there's some there's some some really really cool moments on there i mean that's the other thing too is that like why should i as the guy who arguably helped it or hurt it decide whether it's a good record or not you know what i mean like Hmm. i don't know well no and and they all trusted you with like, and we're listening back to the mixes and we're down with it. Like that didn't mean to be like a grilled, like, man, you really screwed up that mix, Jonathan. Like, Oh yeah. You no. know, and that's my own, my own insecurity speaking, man. I mean, clearly like some people like it, you know, like, so it worked, Yeah, you know? Well, they and, liked uh, it. Yeah. That was, if you're, if you're in the nerd shit too, man, uh, somewhere in that process, I got, um, uh, some NS10 speakers and that was like the first time I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like be serious like the fucking rock guys, you know, and have some NS tens and, and and go for that thing. And like, you know, referencing, you know, uh David Bendith records and like Chris Lord and you know, just like all that kind of shit, you know. Having you know, starting with the NS tens and just like learning to like listen quiet and balance, like so I was like learning a lot while I was making that record as well. You know, it was like a, a tremendous experience for me. It was also a tremendous, you know, kind of like learning experience working with those guys who were like, you know, like seriously into like, you know, like older, like, you know, hardcore and stuff like that. I remember bringing up like a, what's the Beyonce and, and Lady Gaga telephone song. And I was like, telephone, have you guys yeah. seen this shit? Like I was like, <laughs> and, and I played the video for him and I was like, I was just, I was looking at the video. I was loving it. And Chris comes over and he's like, he's like, Jonathan, these guys are going to kill you if you don't cut that off. <laughs> and it was like, and, and and he's exaggerating, and that's like a funny moment, you know what I'm saying? But it was just like realizing that like not everybody's really into the same shit, you know. I think I think one of the closest points of reference that I had with them that that we both were like fuck yeah was like Sonic Youth, Dirty or something, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but see, but see, that's that's why I feel like you and I connected. Yeah. So early on, like because I too have a very like. I don't know. 
I, I always reference it as like a pop sensibility, but it's mm. really just like, I like fucking good music. Like these guys know that any chance that I get, I will bring up Kesha and how incredible Kesha is. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I specifically remember us having a conversation on the handjob tour about <laughs> Kesha and just like kind of marveling at that record, like like that first big record of hers. Yeah. Dude, the your love isn't is my drug or whatever. That yeah. first that was the first time hearing that riser and it gets so pointed, you're like a fucking dog. You know what I'm talking right, about? You're right. like you, you have to turn <laughs> But then the big thing is like it has that, but then it also has TikTok on it. And you're just like like you have a record with just so many hits on it. Yeah, we just like Kesha's just fucking great. And I just okay. love that that like I, I don't know. I, I feel like we we connected with that like just good good shit's just good shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like regardless of like whether it's a genre that you particularly enjoy or not, like I feel like we can, you know, appreciate uh technical skill, whether from a production standpoint or a musical standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, man. I would like to take this moment to embarrass Kylan for just a second, if I can. Please, please do. It's <laughs> <Okay>. unrelated. <laughs> so back in the day when you used to play a lot, you would just like sometimes just say really random things and then like jump into a song. And I, oh, like, I was had, really like, a bad at like my on stage banter. banter. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You kind of were. I think you've gotten it's, a lot better it's about tough. it. It is tough. I've never had to do it as someone who's just like a back guy like a guitarist or bassist i never have to do it so it's easy for me to like <laughs> poke fun but one time kylan was playing at some coffee shop or something like that and you're doing your pop medley and you're like talking about kesha and you're like oh man i love kesha her love is my drug also cocaine and then you just like start the song <laughs> and i'm like whoa like <laughs> Oh my god, dude! I no, know that's not true, but people here, but no, especially well, not, yeah, in that context, yes. it was probably like here's yeah. the no, no, no. Here's well, the thing that's even me. worse. I remember that show. Yeah. The thing is, that show was at a hot topic. <laughs> I think he said a different yeah. thing at a hot topic. He said something about like coming over and talking to you about dragons at a hot topic one time. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. The hot topic this show was at the was generator about show the in generator. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When oh, you God. did, her love is my drug. You played a lot of shows. Also, kind of cocaine. Like. I used to. And yeah. here's the song. <laughs> well, for all the that listeners out there, I don't do cocaine. I know sometimes it might seem like it. I did it one time at a gay cowboy bar. And never again. <laughs> never clear, again. Uh, want to unpack that? Do you, uh, can we, <laughs> no, I'm good. We okay. we'll, we'll save that for the Patreon. Yeah, Jonathan, you're the one <laughs> we're interviewing tonight. Whoa. Okay. We'll, we'll flip it on Kylan next time and you can ask him all yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. To get us back on track, I want to give a shout out to Please. Alexander Hoagland who sent that question in. So shout out to you, Alexander, for that. Was it a question or was it a complaint? I think it I think it was he was just asking about like, hey, hey, can I can I address it one more? You might want to edit this out. I don't know. Let me address this this point. There I I I can't remember if we were, were we looking at forums or Facebook still? I don't know, because that was a while back. You know what I mean? Like, but but in what form? But I do remember saying some shit about auto-tune on there. Just so you know, there is not a lick of auto-tune on there. Whatever it's worth. All right, there you have it, listeners. I, I listened to it a couple times this last week, and there's only one part. It's in Rescue Trained, the second song, where it's like got some effect going on his voice, and I couldn't figure out what it is if it's like like a like a flanger or like some, it's like got like a yeah. LFO kind of thing going on it. So I was like, 
that's like the only thing that I could pinpoint. Be like, maybe that's what it is. But it was only on that one song that I could hear. Yeah. Well, you know, also whatever it's worth, man, I still get like, um, that is a reoccurring theme for me and artists, man. There's a lot of artists that I'm like, that they're just like they won't want their voice that affected. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, well, it worked for John Lennon. It worked for you know <laughs> Kurt Cobain. It worked for you know. I'm like, I hear brand new Nas X sounding affected as fuck. Like, okay, fine. Yeah. You don't want to hit? Go fuck yourself. You know? Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I know it's polarizing yeah. though within that genre and that culture. They want real shit. So probably even having. You know, just like a, a delay throw is probably like, mm, you know, like they fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, so maybe I fucked that up. That's what I was saying. You know, like I, no, I get you it, didn't, you know? dude. You didn't. No, dude. definitely not. Because that, like, Penny Black was the first Further Seems Forever record that I loved since The Moon Is Down. So nice. Well, that's good to hear, man. It's the one I've listened to the most. I'm not a big Further fan, yeah. but I've definitely listened to Penny Black the most out of all of them. So. You got some yeah. fans here. Oh, yeah, thanks. For sure. Also, one interesting side note. So in that time, I told you that we had started with that I'm in love with the girl, and maybe there's a couple other covers. So uh, uh, Benjamin Hamola, he's, um, he's in Group Love now, but he was the drummer on that stuff and some other records, which I assume you're getting to. <laughs> But um, he was around at that time, too. And so there was a lot of times where I was mixing that record, and it was just Ben in the back. And, uh, you know, Ben would, like, fucking give me, he's like, yeah, that, that, sounds, right. that sounds good. You know, like, you know, I just kind of, like, leaning on him, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, see what he thought about something. And he's, I mean, he's a recording nerd, man. He's a synth nerd. He's got modular shit and plays drums and he sings, writes programs. He's, you know, we're all the same, man. That's the thing is that we really all do all the things, you know. It's like... At what right. capacity do you find yourself, you know, in the assembly line, maybe? He plays right. drums for Group Love? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Ben. I love Group Love. Yeah, yeah dude. They're so good. Do you? Yeah. There's so much Group Love for Group Love. There's a lot of TJ <laughs> Love, at least, for Group Love. Hey, Jammers. This is Josh in the edit, just jumping in. Wanted to give you a heads up that we're about to get into some technical territory involving some music production, plugins, instruments. So if you're not into that, feel free to skip ahead for the next seven to eight minutes. Otherwise, you can maybe just let the numbers and letters wash over you. But if you are into that, we hope you enjoy it. As a podcast for music nerds by music nerds um yeah. i have a i have a question and you can answer this kind of how, however you want but like i want to talk about rigs and or chains right now so like so like you know you're you're composing a lot of music you're writing a lot of music producing and stuff i want to know and this can be for any instrument you know guitar bass or even like like vocal chain and stuff what is your current favorite like setup does that make sense Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm in Ableton. Once something's recorded, no matter how it got there, um, that's what I'm assuming you're talking about, plug-in chains, right. yeah? Yeah, um, that that or, like I said, or okay. if there's like... Well, we can start with the in-the-box, and then we can start with maybe cool. on the way in, what we do. Perfect. But like in-the-box, like one of the main things that I'm doing right now is I'm in Ableton. I like that stock Ableton 8 EQ. Um, yeah. If, if you're in Ableton oh, 11, right. um, you, have, you have the option to... When you right click on some of those plugins, you can save as default. You know, it's like real easy. The making everything default is so much easier now. Um, but I have that, and I probably have that high passed at um, maybe like forty. You know, just gen- like it comes on, it's high passed at forty. It's also maybe low passed at like eighteen. You know what I mean? Just kind of like any anything wildly high or low, it's kind of out of there. And then 
you know, on a lot of stuff. I I like a lot of Waves plugins, to be honest, man. I've just used yeah. them a long time, and I'd rather kind of just get good at one thing than, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just, and then sometimes, too, man, there's just, like, the aesthetic of some things. There's some plugins people are like, oh, you should try this. And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> just seen that ugly. thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't give a shit what it does, you know? Like, <laughs> sorry. my eyes. You know? Yeah. As, as someone who shouldn't care about aesthetics, they do play a bigger part than I would like to admit in some of the yeah. things I do as well. Yeah, yeah, and just even and even it might look cool, but the user interface is just like mm-hmm. like it's just hard to like like where is where is Not everything intuitive. you know right. like yeah yeah and if I gotta like hunt around more than like a few I'm just like fuck this you know like it just dump it you know but anyway um so I like a lot of the wave stuff just because I know it but maybe like the Puig Child the 660 I feel like mm-hmm. that thing works you know great on vocals and bass a lot of other stuff but um I like the CLA 76 plugin. I, I tried the 2A and the 3A. I don't find myself using those plugins as much. You know what I mean? That's not to say they sound bad. I just don't really, you know, I, I have a pretty narrow window of stuff I use. Uh, but anyway, maybe something like, you know, that EQ, you know, first. And then maybe like, uh, you know, the Puig Child or um, or, or an 1176, whichever seems, you know, the, the Puig Child is like slower and softer, you know, and then right. 76 is more aggressive, right? And then... Um, I, I like the Puig Tech, you know, the, you know, the EQP1A, whatever. And, uh, and I, I kind of like the simplicity of that. Like, you know, on the, on the high band, you know, you could do, what is it? Three, five, eight, 12, 16, you know, mm. I kind of like the idea of just like thinking like, okay, shit, that's bright. I kind of maybe do 12 and maybe right. mess with the EQ, but you know, like you do 12 and then something well, you know, just like go ahead and just like let the plug in in a way. I know this sounds so lame, but you know what I mean? It, help, it kind of does some work right. for you if you stop right. fucking around every little bit into everything, you know? Yeah. And then uh, the newer, the Waves SSL channel strip. I think that's a great mm. one, man. And you you guys probably, if you already have the old one, it's probably a free upgrade for a lot of you. But um, oh, That's good to know. But I think that one's great. You can do the little clipping where it clips the mic line. I think that's a great way of like taming just little tiny peaks and just a tiny, tiny bit of saturation. Filters on it sound great. And then I'm almost always like on it. I do like two to one usually on almost everything compression, but maybe vary the threshold of how much it's getting compressed rather than a higher ratio. Right. Maybe at the end of that, something like like an L2 just to, you know, to make sure you can get it, you know. Cause that's the thing too, man. It's like you know, every, everything's got to be so. It's not like like you say compressed, like the the artifact of compression. It just needs to be kind of limited in how much it, it moves, right. you know. Or it's th- that's like kind of a typical chain of something for me. I, I mean, just like a for nothing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Does yeah. that answer the no, question? No, I can't no, tell. no. That's that's fucking great. I think we will have to put a little bit of a disclaimer uh, for some of our listeners that aren't <laughs> super music nerds. And the other group yeah. will love this. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like I was just, I was like, notes. I, yeah, Josh and I are just like over here, like, okay. like writing notes. Got yeah, it. that's so good. And yeah, that was fucking great. Uh, what's your favorite instrument you have right now? Just right now, like, like don't don't, don't overthink it. Just what's your like? Oh, the like, OB six man, the Dave Smith OB six synthesizer. Um, Hell yeah, dude! I had one, and it kind of you know you know how it is man. We're you know we're we're making music and we're making money, but we get paid way different than everybody else <laughs> in the world. You know. And um, both in in amount and frequency, you know. Right. And so uh, I had to let I had to let it go one time, man. It was just like I just you know it's just one of those things. Like, sorry, you got to go. And uh, so I got a second one. So I'm on my second OB6, and I love it. Nice. I got some of the uh, the J3PO patches in it. 
I love it, man. It's like I I try to play jump almost every day when I fucking come in here. <laughs> I mean, if but, that doesn't uh, get you pumped up, I don't know what what would. Yeah, but you know, additionally, like this other shit that it's, I'm freaking out about is like I got one of those Squire base sixes. You know what I mean? The VI. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I saw you yeah, play one of those. And, Dude, yeah, that thing is a monster, man. Like, just through like a big muff or anything like that. It's so fun. Um, I got a Dan Electro twelve string, so I can be fake Jimmy Page. You know, oh, nice. um, that's awesome. Yeah, those are a couple, man. You want to know a good mic? That's actually it's kind of expensive if you're like a home studio guy, but I feel like it has actually made a huge difference. Is I have the Warm Audio C eight thousand. It's like supposed to be like the Sony copy. For a warm audio mm. mic, I mean, it's 1200 bucks. It's kind of expensive. But I tell you what, man, uh, I have that going through LA610. I'm compressing on the way in, and a lot of vocals are damn near done at that point. I mean, it's just like wow. maybe okay. a little bit of EQ and limiting, but it's right. like it is very much that kind of like Drake, Kanye, Justin Bieber, that super polished mm. kind of bright pop sound. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's awesome. Josh is going to run out and buy that right now. Yeah, 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 I'm just gonna add to my sweet. Well, let me water tell you cart. this, dude. I got one. It arrived, and the jewel light didn't turn on, so it worked. But I was like, I, I kind of want the light but, to work. If right, it, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, if you're paying that then, much, it's like yeah. And then so I got another one, and that died actually like three months after that. So I'm on my third one in oh, maybe no. five months or something like that. Hmm. But still, I'm just like, I, I cannot, I cannot just. It's a uh, dispute how good it sounds and how just kind of. I don't know, modern and pop and finish, it really helps things sound. Yeah. That's good to know. I, I know it. what I'm asking for for Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love all this music shit. I love the tech shit. Whatever you guys want to ask, man. Yeah. No, we're here I'm for I'm just hanging too. out with my, with my friend I haven't talked to in forever. Yeah, it's your oyster, so. man. It's Kylan. Guys, Kylan did it. You guys Can I talk run... about Kylan for one second and oh, talking please. about some of his live <laughs> please, shows? Please, please. Just the fact that he would do, like, paper planes, or and, and, and he'd go pew. <laughs> oh, I remember about, that. Like, I just love that, and I, and I love that. Like, you, you, you're fearless. You might sound like you have no idea what banter is, but that is not the case. You're so good at it. It's so entertaining, and Thanks, fearless. Man. You are absolutely fearless, man. And like, I don't know, man. I've always looked up to you. You know, to be honest, man. I just like you've just Stop you've it. made a big impact you're on me too, man. That's that, really yeah. sweet. That, that feels really sweet. I don't know what that. to do. I don't know how to take compliments. Say thank you. Yeah, just, just take like, it. Ah, oh, man, thanks. Fuck you. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just feel like that's a pretty good summation of y'all's relationship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get back to being professional. Okay. Uh, someone <laughs> someone asked a question. TJ, you had a question. Uh, So this is a little bit of a, a detour, both for our, like, podcast concept and for, like, what's relevant in interviewing Jonathan Clark, but it does fit with our spooky month theme. So I got to know, Jonathan, have you ever witnessed something? Maybe it's at a studio or something late one night. Have you ever witnessed something that you could not explain? It could be a ghost. It could be a bump in the night. It could be some lights in the sky. It could be Chris Caraba not hitting a right note. Yeah. Him just like (laughs) biffing a take. And you're like, this is un otherworldly have you ever experienced something that you couldn't explain that was maybe unsettling i'll tell you what um i would have to say that um this is i i am a superstitious person and i do believe that there's some like you know whatever your sixth sense or you know what i'm saying like your third eye or whatever you like all that 
like all that's got to be real on some level. And it's probably all survival instinct, you know, like that's what it is. But frequently, I'm pretty sure I'm like, okay, somebody just walked behind me. You know what I mean? And it has not helped. Like we, so we live in Franklin and this is like a, like a civil war town. You know what I mean? There's like civil war stuff Franklin's like a spooky town, right? Yeah. It is, man. And so, and you know, anything that's like a, like a grave site, it becomes like a, you know, part of the historical catalog or, you know what I mean? Like you just can't mess with it, you know? And so in my neighborhood, we have one, we have like, and it's, it, I swear to God, if I lived at that house next door to it, I don't know. I don't know about what those guys do, but anyway, there's (laughs) like, there's like a little grave area, man. And I'm like, sometimes I'm outside and, you know, like I, I might be a little sauced or whatever, but like I'm sitting outside and, you know, looking at my phone, maybe having a smoke or something. And I just have to be like, not now, guys. Not now. Like, I'm not in the mood for this shit. Like, you got, you guys have to leave. You know what I mean? And it's just like this feeling of like watching. You know what I mean? Hmm. No, no malicious intent, but also just sort of like. Just a bunch of spooky pervs. Just yeah, to I just it. don't want to get into this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so frequently tell me that. And then, um, so it's like, so it's like, that's great. There's a cemetery not far from your house. That's what you're saying. Oh, there's you, multiple cemeteries. You get like, some like, literally... energy off of it. Like you can sense some kind oh, of yeah. spooky vibes. They're paying but attention to But then I also to you. have the, yeah. And then what do you call it? The, uh, what is it? Like draw to the void or something like that. Part of me's like, that's another good album with this. Name. Yeah, and then put it on the whiteboard. That's yeah. too, and then Write it down. The other, the other part of me is like, okay, I'm scared, but I fully kind of want to fuck with this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like let's go, guys. You know. Mm-hmm. But as far as the super, I tell you what, I did go to. Um, this is early. This is before I was married, and this was uh, early in my in my Christian experience. But um, you know the the Morning Star Church. You know what I'm talking about? Hmm. No, not familiar. Okay, it. It might as well be the Grateful Dead with the church. It just has okay. that feel. It's very, very hippie. Cool. Very non-denom. Nice. Um, big into, uh, you know, like prophecy and, you know, like all all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went up there and I've I've had there, there was another home group I went to and somewhere else where I've absolutely had my mail read, man. Like it, there's no doubt that there is something else going on. And like... You almost want to think like, man, did I fall for like some swindler's trick or something? You know, talking about some <laughs> sort of like, you know what I mean? Like like right, a right. matchstick man or something, you know? Right. But I fully believe that there's some other thing going on. I don't know what it is, you know? And I, I don't know, like the idea of calling it like, it's almost like calling it ghosts is almost as reductive as calling it like, you know, Jesus. You know what I mean? Right, like right. Sure. In that sense. It's like. Because it's yeah, so you know, mysterious like, and so out of your like ability to comprehend that putting a word yeah. on it is cheapening it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it really is, man. Like and and uh and it's kind of tough because um you know, you you know when you feel it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just like a good song, it's like right. you'd you'd like to think you didn't want to like that Kesha record, but you couldn't help it. You just <laughs> could not help yourself, you know? Like Yeah, yeah, you know. So there's stuff like that. I like it. I loved it. I loved it. That was a lot there. That's Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We're gonna cut it all out, that. but it was good. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll play that. My only questions on are Halloween. bad, Jonathan. It's fine. No, no, we're saving. No, that's for good. Halloween. I love it. Drop. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, no, that was a good question, TJ. We we should have done that with Chelsea and Kelly. He's trying to make all of our, really good. Our, Here, uh, let me give you the right take. You ask about has something ever happened, and I just go, "Man, I'm superstitious as fuck, dude. I don't know what to tell you." 
cut. That's the sound clip. Yep, boom. Yep. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. That's how we draw them in. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. I do have, If I guess, I, if we can change it a little bit. Josh doesn't like spooky shit, so he's... I'm too scared, guys. He's too scared. <laughs> we, We're going to we move back him. to music. I, I do want to move back to music. After that, then we can go wherever we want. I just want to say my piece and like get some answers and stuff and just talk about uh, the Twin Forks thing that yeah. you were doing. Because I was on board pretty early with that whenever Chris was doing that. Like I remember whenever they dropped like that EP on Noise Trade or whatever. And yeah. I was like, I was listening to that all the time. And it was like cool because like you mixed that Truth About Movie Stars via Maurice record. So it was like, oh, the yeah. guy that makes our record is playing bass for Chris Caraba now. <laughs> <laughs> That was like a super cool thing that was going on. So I was like, I want to just hear a little bit like you can go into as much as you want or like stories of like how that went from like you doing the further record into like being like, yeah, I'm touring with Chris playing his new folk band kind of thing. And when Forks was rad, however much you want to get into that, it was rad. It was great. Yeah. So I think that uh, in, in doing the Covered in the Flood record, which is a bunch of covers and a lot of folk styling and that and a lot of Chris's influences, you know. Um, you know, he was getting into like, you know, John Prine and a bunch of, um, you know, just like, you know, just kind of like Americana and shit. And um, mm-hmm. also just real quick, how fucking great was John Prine? Incredible. Like how he just like he could write silly songs. He could write serious songs. He was just like. And both at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I admire that. It's like the you know, the ability to like not take yourself so damn seriously, you know, and like. But there is seriousness in that. But you still say you know something. I mean? Cause yeah. Because it, yeah. it's, it's flex. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you're, you're showing up, man, showing off. Yeah. It's so, uh, yeah. So Chris was getting into a lot of that stuff. And, you know, clearly as like, as a writer, you know what I mean? He'd, you know, been in like Dylan and stuff like that. And um, we both had a thing. This is a, this is a weird one, man. Like, not everybody likes this, but like when you bring it, like, hey, man, do you like Neil Young? You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. a polarizing figure. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But we both like some Neil Young stuff. And so there was a lot of that. And I had I'd been getting into um, like a lot of like Tony Rice and Bill Monroe and stuff like that bluegrass stuff, yeah. and so you know all that kind of being together, it was like, and then you know like I said doing all those covers, you know he just you know started writing some tunes like you know in that feel like in that world, and then mm-hmm. just uh, it was me him and Ben, and uh, you know Chris was experimenting. I mean he's he's always been like an open tuning guy, you know clearly, but like he was right. like maybe in more kind of like traditional open tunings like that weren't you know maybe like low. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's really big into uh, uh, like a like a blonde Gibson. Was it LG two? Was the small body Gibson mm-hmm. from the sixties? Hmm, LG so. series, yeah. and um, had a, had a couple of those, and um, also a couple small bodied Martins. The um, is it the double O? Double O? What you know? What I'm talking about it's the smaller, it's the power mm-hmm. stuff. I, I get I get so confused yeah. with so many numbers. It's like all the gear we work with is just like an endless string of numbers. Yeah. No, we anyway. were just talking. We were just talking about that while you were gone. It was like some parts of this episode, like just let the numbers and letters just wash over you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if we don't get them all straight. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like you know what I'm talking about. The little one, yeah. the big one, <laughs> the you know, like whatever. They should have called um, it that instead. Yeah. <laughs> the little, yeah, the Martin little one. Here's the little Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, and uh, which you know, famously, you know, like small small acoustics and small amplifiers record well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Brian May from Queen had an interesting uh, thought process about the small. Said that when the speaker is smaller, the ratio of the speaker to the diaphragm of the microphone is more similar, and the Ooh. microphone can pick it up in a more like you know what I'm saying like Even an accurate dynamic. way like yeah yeah, right. yeah 
And uh, I mean, who knows? But also, that guy was supposed to be an astrophysicist, right? He's also, you know yeah, I mean? like, he's an he astrophysicist, is, yeah. so he <laughs> he might know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you know, like all those influences were floating around, and um, you know, we were playing like a lot of guitar together, just acoustic stuff, and 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 working on ideas. And Ben Ben was around um, all the time, and uh, and so we were, you know, working up these songs together, you know, and. Uh, you know, Ben is like a traditional kind of like rock guy. I mean, I think if you went back a few years on the internet, you'd see him with like the fucking white rimmed D drums or fucking, oh, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the full on, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. But that dude is a monster. Like he, like he is a monster on the drum kit. Like it's just unbelievable, man, how good that guy is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also too, like how, how like varied his influence and stuff is. I mean, he brought so much to that. But we're all kind of like experimenting with like, you know, how do you take this folk thing, but more or less make pop songs, right? Hmm. Right. And so, you know, working on that and, you know, a lot of it even too, when we were in the live room, we did we did play in the live room and practice together and, and work on some of those songs. And, and that's not something that is done frequently. And it's certainly not something that I do a lot, you know. Right. I've done one song with somebody else in the room like this year. You know what I mean? Like mm. that's it. You know, yeah. like everything else is track by track, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, working on those songs, Ben was, um, he was kind of big into the moment, man. Um, you know, the big, the, the brushes, but they're more like the plastic and it's, they almost look like spaghetti curled brushes. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Not yeah. like the yeah, corn yeah. stick, but the same yeah, size. Not, not the hot rods, but the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a finer. It's a bigger bundle mm-hmm. and finer, mm-hmm. in, you know, insides. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, was using a lot of those, like, you know, uh, like timpani type mallets, you know, stuff like that. Um uh, hmm. Drum head on top of the drum, you know what I mean? Just hmm. like, which is hmm. before big fat snare drum, which is kind of what that is, right? You know, right. just a, another head cut out on top of a head. Chris had a white Rogers drum set over there. We used that some. That actually was a trade from Matt Reed. I don't know if this is anybody gives a shit about this. <laughs> we um, do. We do. That's well, yeah, the whole but point it's like of the like, show. It's like a 60s Rogers 20-inch kick. You hear a lot of that on there. At some point, he nice. got another that was like 22, 14, 16 uh, CNC. He played that for a while. The gold sparkle looks a lot like a Bonham kit. And uh, hmm. there's some you know other drums and stuff like that, lots of percussion and stuff that we added. Uh, 24, am I going in the right direction with this? Is this the kind you of are, you are, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So were okay. you doing the same kind of role of like engineering and producing? Or were you co-producing with Chris kind of thing for that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I definitely engineered the whole record, produced the whole record. You know, um, the the one you saw that came out five songs, I mixed that one later. Brian Russell, um, he mixed that. Brian has credits with Coldplay and shit. He's, he's dope, man. He's here in Nashville. And his uh, wife, Susie, is actually Susie on that record. Oh, and she was okay. Susie Zeldin at the time, but then it's Susie Russell. And um, from, uh, what's the name of her band, man? Uh, the, the Narrative is her band. Hmm. So, hmm. and so, it, like, early on, because Ben was in Bad Books. Oh, with Kevin Devine and... Yeah, and exactly. Andy, Andy Hall. Hall. And, oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Who is... Hold on. We're talking about Sweet Sweet Bass. I am spacing on his name, and I'll hate myself forever. Who played bass in that band? Andy Prince. Prince. That's the baddest motherfucker on the planet, dude. <laughs> that guy is so fucking good, dude. Prince is <laughs> yeah. so good. And Prince can ollie waist high. He can also skateboard really well. Like, <laughs> it's not fair. But yeah, Prince is, man, he's so fucking cool, man. Anyway, but yeah, I remember some of the early online, they're like, it's like some like 
fucking super group. And I was like, oh, well, I'm in here <laughs> sure. too. We can't be that <laughs> super group. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you just, this is when you just pat yourself on the back, Jonathan. You just, that's, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's now. right. I'm super. But we worked on those songs, man, um, for a while. And, uh, it's, I, I would say it's actually a pretty like organic experience. Uh, Susie was in New York at the time, so she would like either send us vocals or there's a couple times she came down to sing. Um, but you know the bones of the, you know the, the rhythm tracks, was uh, us three. I think Gibson sent Chris a banjo. Nice. I want to say that's what it was. And uh, but dude, like full on like resonator like. I mean, you yeah. know, like a real banjo, you sit in your lap, dude. Pretty soon you can't feel your nuts, dude. It just cuts off the circulation <laughs> and everything. It's so heavy, you know? And so, you know, both of us were just like trying to figure that out. And that's kind of funny because like, you know, we, we both like the open tuning stuff and it's just fun to figure mm-hmm. it out. And then uh, yeah, yeah. got a mandolin and uh, then got another mandolin. That's another one too, man. It's it's like, you got, you got, I mean, the mandolin is just like so finicky about the tuning, man, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like such an, like a vocal range, you know, you just kind of got to get serious with it. That, that can be such a pain sometimes to get the right thing, especially when you're playing like, like we're both playing it like guitar players. So we're like this, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, so you're, you, yeah. the intonation like is, you know, it's versus, you know, real players can, they move this way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> anyway. No, but that was recorded at Chris's. I think for the drums at the time, uh, we had uh, some Chameleon Labs, small diaphragm condensers. Uh, We used those on top of the drums and on the acoustic guitar. I was starting to experiment with the acoustic guitar miking on that, like Eric Valentine talks about, you know what I'm talking about? Um, Mm -hmm. Where you're playing the guitar, and so instead of the mics being stereo this way, they're stereo this way, so it's almost like Mm -hmm. a piano. So you got the Hmm. bass in the left, ah, right? And the yeah. treble in the right hmm. as you strum. So theoretically, as you strum, it should go across the speaker, right? Left to right. As opposed to just being a stereo picture of an instrument in front of you, you know? Mm. And That's so cool. we're experimenting a lot with that. And especially, too, because a lot of the um, the parts that Chris was coming up with were like, you know, like thumb, finger, thumb. You know, it's like bass, you know, bass, high note, bass, high note, you know, right. that kind of thing. And so you would kind of get a little stereo Kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like a, like a piano. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's so like cool. That. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and so, and that was usually, um, we had like uh, some uh, Vintec 272s over there. And this is like all, all Chris's gear, man. Like he had like a really great setup over there. It's, you know, accumulated from, you know, recording at home himself, but also touring, you know. And once they were, you know, doing a lot of those, you know, they they start playing through a lot of that stuff live. You know, like a lot of front of, front of house guys, Mike Fanuel, are, you know, serious dudes, man. So we were fortunate to have that gear there, and then uh, bass. There was like a um, like a seventies jazz bass, like a uh, the the natural color, mm-hmm. and um, that was almost always to like an Avalon U five. That's kind of the desktop looking tube di. You know, it's a tube di. Right, right. At some point in time in there, we we didn't really buy much gear. Chris didn't really get much gear. I mean, he had you know you know so much stuff. But two things, or one thing that we we brought on in there was uh, getting a pair of distressors. And so we got those, and those those kind of were able to use on drums and you know vocals and everything else. Um, that's a great compressor if you guys are ever looking for an outboard compressor that does a lot of things, and they, they kind of seem to do everything well in my opinion, and and also are, aren't so crazy expensive, you know. And there's no tubes in there, so they're not noise, you know. They're not going to go bad, you know. It's solid state. Something I am curious about, and I 
I think I asked you this whenever I met you like in 2014, but just mm-hmm. so we have it on the record, but especially like talking about with Ben as like him being such like a solid player. And then you like what I'd seen of your playing was like, I feel like you're a very like jazzy, like colorful guy. Like when you're playing bass and stuff like that, but bluegrass is not really that kind of like music. Like you're playing kind of like right. blue scales, like or major scales. And that's kind of it. Like, what was it that like you allowed you to keep things interesting or challenging? If like you and Ben are like Chris has the whole open tuning thing going for him, but you and Ben are like big talented players, but kind of like you're having to play like put your skill set into like the bluegrass folk kind of box. But like, what did you do to? Oh, that's such a good keep question. things interesting. I mean, first of all, to be honest, like you know, like if like if you say bluegrass, and this is like a process like we kind of all went through too. It's like, if you say bluegrass, like, there is no drums. You know what I mean? Like, there was right. a bluegrass jam by my house growing up. I remember, and we, like, had fucking tie-dye Grateful Dead shirts on. I thought we were going to bring, like, bongos in there. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they waved us off. Some fucking 80-year-old purple-haired bastard, like, waved us off. But anyway, yeah, but if you think it's, if you just think it's, like, boom, 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 you know, like, that's yeah. what you're thinking, right? You're thinking, like, tic-tac bass, you know, yeah. like, or boom, chick, boom, chick. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Like, that is bluegrass, you know? And folk, maybe, song-wise, is like A, A, B, A, form-wise. Mm-hmm. There's not, like, a real mm-hmm. chorus. Or or every section ends with that refrain chorus, right? right. right? You know? Yeah, like the turnaround. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so we were already kind of in a different world. It was, it was almost more like, again, like, how do we do pop music, but with maybe some of that instrumentation, you know? And, and nobody, it's not like we were thinking, like, pop music. But, you know, like, but we're all songwriters and, and like modern songwriting. We like that, you know, like we want a chorus right. to fucking bang, dude, you know, like that's what they do. Yeah. Right. Anyway, hopefully. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it was as much as like trying to like reinvent bluegrass. It was just like, how can we make this like banjo part that normally would be like so fucking twangy and just like, you know what I'm saying? Like just loud, like as a personality, right. like how do we make it m- basically an 808 hi-hat you know what i mean like how you know how is it just mm. like an arpeggio it's just you know what i mean that's all it is it's mm-hmm. just like is a banjo really different than the edge on electric guitar with the yeah lead? you know like it's Damn. like it's that kind of thing hmm. and then also too i mean a big thing was is like trying to incorporate melody into everything i think that's this reoccurring theme is that like there's nothing wrong with like whole note pads you know what i mean like there's nothing wrong with that but also like will like sing me the rhythm, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's not right, as obvious right. to sing that, you know what I mean? Like like what what's actually happening? So, I think we just kind of came into it with like, okay, fundamentally there's three of us. It's not about like if we're playing too much or not playing enough, but it's just sort of like where can we fill this space in? Because like if you go back in time to like three, I mean, how about fucking the Jimi Hendrix experience? You know what I mean? Like three people, and it's just like Mitch Mitchell is fucking jazz drums as fuck. You know, Noel Redding's pissed <laughs> off that he has to be there because he'd rather be in the you know the faces or something. And Jimmy's just like unknowingly inventing R and B and psychedelic and you know what I mean, like at the same time right. and just and fucking rapping like Castles Made of Sand. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like. So what you're telling me is is you're comparing yourself <laughs> to Jimi Hendrix, right? Right, that's what yeah. I'm getting from this. Yeah, like, no but... ego problem whatsoever. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, I'm no well ready. I'm the I'm the sour oh, that's fucking right. bass right. player. You you were just pissed. You had to be there. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. but um, but I'm so, I'm sorry, man. I hope that I know that sounds like a rabbit trail of shit. But I think the idea was like, how do we make this interesting, and kind of like you know 
all kind of grow. And so it's not about just like, you know, kick and brushes on snare, you know, booty catch, booty catch, booty catch. You right. know, it's, it's not about that. It's just, just like, like what's like a cool rhythm that also uses brushes, you know? Mm, right. Like, so that, that's kind of how we like approach that, I think. And we all kind of have that, that, you know, inner songwriter slash over player in us that is, you know, we're, we're already, I hate the word dumbing it down, but we're already trying to simplify it or pull out what the best possible version of it is with each other. Right. And I think that was a good part about that relationship is that everybody's already doing that work on their own. There's not some third party that has to come in and point finger. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, to, totally, totally. It was just like from y'all. Yeah. So is there is there ever going to be another Twin Forks record? I got to get the scoop. There actually is like literally a whole nother Twin Forks record just waiting to be, you know, just kind of finalized. Whoa. And so uh, not hmm. not long ago, Chris came over here and uh, and we were talking about that record. And, you know, I said it was something that like also too, man, like, you know, that band, that whole gig, that like just takes, you know, a, a certain amount of time and, and just it just has to go the way it goes. Right. And I was telling Chris, I was like, I'm like so backlogged with shit right now, you know, like I would have to push that off. So I actually, if it's not weird to say, I was like, dude, the, the roughs are, I mean, the dude, the roughs are, come on. Like I'm not, I'm not right. <laughs> going to print a file and it not hopeful. Like my theory has always been like, if it gets leaked onto the internet, I won't be upset. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, like yeah. it's like, we're going to leave this in a place where it's pretty damn good. So there's a pretty fucking good record left. And, you know, and so I guess we're kind of in the conversation of like, I mean, do we hand this off to somebody else? But then there's also, you know, on that level of stuff with like labels and shit, you know, they have like, you know, they want to bring other people and shit in too. They want to chop shit up. They, You know what I mean? Like they just, hmm. it just, the further down the line you go, the more it just keeps getting edited and fine tuned and all right. that. But yeah, there's, there's, there's another 12, 14 songs. That y'all did recently? That was stuff actually recorded, uh few years back that was still whenever like it was all still going on pretty before you went back to doing dashboard stuff yeah and that was that was another thing too is that like you know when the when the anniversary came around for dashboard it was just like like dude come on keep the main thing the main thing right like Mm. you got a front runner that you know there's like don't get distracted by anything else you know and so that was that was a huge part of that too i always feel like it's such an interesting thing to sit with a body of work for such a long time like you're describing Mm with this new Twin Forks material. Like, yeah, y'all know it exists, and you obviously feel pretty good about it, even in its unfinished state. Uh, but yeah. isn't it strange, like, to kind of have this quote-unquote baby, and it's not being birthed, but you're aware <laughs> of it. Like, you know it intimately, yeah. and you're, like, very familiar with it. When I do that with my own music or with other music that I really love, but it's not out in the public, there's always a little angst around it. Yeah, just like sitting on it kind of uncomfortably like when is this going to get out there do you experience that at all or do, are you pretty zen about it like are you able to kind of just set it to I mean, the side some of them I'm able, I'm able to kind of like uh, compartmentalize but sure. but in general I think there's there's definitely a frustration and if I can speak to any sort of audience that you have of you know people that are younger and making records at home or trying to start you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you know like independent musicians you know like whatever like anybody um you know if you work with somebody and like and then the song doesn't come out it's a fucking bummer you know like it's just yeah (laughs) and you don't want to die on a hard drive you know what i mean like i mean there's songs man somebody asked me the other day for a song i was like why didn't you put this shit out then And it was like and it's (laughs) it's starting to get some traction and it was like four years ago 
And they're like, hey, they want stems. And I try to open the session up and it's literally, it's only four years, but it's long enough that like the transition of Ableton 10 to Ableton 11 using VST2 yes. <laughs> to VST3, it's yeah. like literally no plug-in. And I'm just like, right. it comes up and I'm like, I have to remix this whole thing. Uh, Dude, or that happened, uh, that happened to me recently Buy an older, too with, or, or install yeah. like an older OS and something, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've definitely had my share of that so like recently like so i just came out with a new song that was just kind of like sitting on my hard drive yeah with kind of that same intention of just like i started going through a bunch of like old stuff i had the the main record that i want to come out with i've been working on now for six years and i'm just like every time i open like an ableton live session it's like these plugins are all missing because they're, they're all like yeah. the old versions. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't want to go through this again. So like I had something, I was like, just get it out. Maybe that'll inspire me to like, just push through the rest. But yeah. Is it yeah, working? I feel that. I don't know. Who knows? Well, look, if I can give <laughs> you any advice too, I think there's also feeling. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're good. Thank you though. What are I wasn't talking to you. That? I was talking. <laughs> yeah, to I want it. I'm here for it. That's fine. <laughs> That's um, fine. <laughs> no, um, so I also too in what I do, like having having songs and you try to pitch them to people or pitch them to certain publishers or whatever, um, you know, you get rejected. And sometimes stuff yeah, maybe it isn't finished enough to say you know what I mean, to be obvious to the end listener that mm-hmm. like what kind of song this is, you know, maybe right. it needs more love, whatever. But that being said, sometimes it's just not the right fit. It's an okay fit, but it's not a great fit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've had luck with like one publisher in particular, I'm just like you know, like I'm, I'm sending them shit four years old, you know, like m- maybe s- sections of something pushing older and they like it. And I'm just like, yeah, no shit. I knew it was fucking dope. It was good. You know yeah. What I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking dope. Like yeah. it was just these other fucking lame ass nerds who like, like, have you ever heard a weekend record? Get the fuck. Come on. Like get on board. Like, let's go. Like, you know, like let's listen to new music. Stop being such an old fuck, you know? Mm, right. Anyway, you might have to cut all that shit out. Right. Um, who knows who knows yeah i'm sorry that we do we even talk about the curses the swears i'm sorry no that's good oh no 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 we're 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 totally you doing fine. tape stops down like i get it everywhere <laughs> oh yeah nah yeah. that's fine no, we, no but um we we had a pinch harmonic every time there's a curse word so <laughs> gonna nice, feel like dude. a corn record yeah, or like the Seinfeld base. Okay, yeah. hey, let's talk about. You said corn. I, I do. I did want to actually talk to you guys about this. Okay. Okay. Let's talk. That first record with Blind, right, and Ball Tongue mm-hmm. and all that. Which, by the way, the fucking junk, gunk, junk, gunk, gunk, like in Ball Tongue, that is the hardest riff that's ever happened in the history <laughs> of planet Earth. That is so good. That is the best thing. That it just. I can't get enough of that. <laughs> anyway, also too, he goes ball tongue. <laughs> like that's the. Good. I. I did not see anyway. the segue coming. <laughs> I'm here yeah, for how it. did we get here? <laughs> okay, Ross Robinson produced that record. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fast forward a little bit. Every record after that is trying to sound like that. You know what I mean? Like right. every like Deftones or fucking uh, what's the mask guy Slipknot. Slipknot. You know, yeah. Any that's it's like all it's, you know what I mean? It's just post. It's post corn. I think he produced Norma Jean's Redeemer too. That's where I was going with this. Oh, <laughs> Norma Jean Redeemer. That first one, a small spark in a great forest mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. And he's like, "What are you trying to say?" That is the hardest 
fucking song, dude. That song <laughs> I love is that song. so good. Yeah, and also too, when we talk about like um, things being timeless or aging well, like you listen to that right now, and that just sounds like a great rock record. Those drums, mm, yeah. Maybe they have triggers, maybe they don't. Who cares? Like it's, it stands. It, they the test sound of time. great. Yeah. Yeah. There's an appropriate volume. The vocal tones are great. The guitar tones are great. There's like the perfect blend of like, I mean, clearly, dude, we've been on the grid for 30 years, right? You know what I'm saying? So like, we're on the grid, that's fine. But there's this perfect, like, you can tell they left some stuff, you know what I mean? And that's just like, you know, engineer, producer type shit. I don't think the average listener really cares about the how of that. They just care about how they feel about it, right? You know? Mm -hmm. But that's Ross Robinson, man. And like, and it's just so funny, like how, like... I mean, that corn record at the time, that's like the biggest record on the planet, man. Right, and then he right. does that for Norma Jean, too. And I'm always curious. I'm like, whose manager called who for that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, how did that they get happen? That's a great question. Yeah, you know? And then you see Ross's uh, studio. He's like he's like on Malibu Beach or something on the goddamn <laughs> beach. And it's just like, okay, so who who had the budget for this? Was this in the, in the CCM budget? You know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but no, that that record is so good, man. And um, well, maybe it, if you want to, we will cover that record at some point. If you want to come back on and, and oh my god, and yeah. deep dive on that record, Let's do it. I'm here for it. I'm here so for fun. it. We we we've only covered one. Nor- we covered Norma Jean's first record, uh, yeah, so far. And I hated it. Yeah, I flopped it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, clearly, so. it's like a milestone. But I do right. like oh I like oh god the aftermath and redeemer, mm-hmm. and and but that was also just the window where I could like absorb some of that. You know yep. what I mean? Like right mm-hmm. now, right. like maybe the thing that I'm absorbing, like you know TJ in your back is you know the Alabama shakes or right. You know I don't know or just still listening to fucking Prince, not Andy Prince, but Prince 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 <laughs> Prince, Prince Prince, but also Andy Prince sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you, man. If you like, that's another one too. Like. I, if if any of you guys know Andy or like hopefully gets word of this, like I've seen him play and then I've been like backstage with him talking and he's such like a gentle, kind person. Uh-huh. And I, I think there's like like something in this like working with people. Man, I love people that can like play in time and in tune and fucking sing and write. But like, but when you have that like immediate like that is a good person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that sort of immediacy of that. Yeah, like good rapport. Yeah. It's really special, man. Yeah. For sure. Okay, we've been going about two hours, so I think we're going to start wrapping this up. That's cool with everybody. Uh, yeah, I hope I didn't fuck we, you guys up. No, I love no, dude. That. I love the Twin Fork stuff, and there's a new record. What? We got the scoop. Yeah, that was all day. we needed. Yeah. Like, I'm actually surprised we didn't hang up on that. you as soon as we got that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you want to come yeah. over for a listening party? I can play it for you. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, that was such a fucking, that was like a, such a douche move. It was like name dropping. <laughs> I, I would. don't think any of us would be mad about that. <laughs> no, yeah. Do a virtual listening party. We'll be there. Well, if I can tell you, let me give you a couple more details on it. Is, uh, Please. We did record a little bit of that. Um, I had, do you remember Jake from Calvary? Kylan? Jake, one of the yeah. guys? Uh-huh. Jake gave me a 15-inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> oh, shit. Just like he got, he got a new one. Like when, remember when they went super thin? Like they, uh-huh. did, they stopped having drives in them, and yeah, they, yeah. they went super thin. And he got a new one. He was just like, eh, whatever. He just gave it to me. He's like, you know, like crud. Crud will use it, you know. <laughs> and, um, and, but I took, I took that on the road with me, and at times I had an Apogee 1 and an Apogee Duet, but I would probably say – Five songs on that record were also recorded in hotel rooms while on tour with Twin Forks. Oh wow! Um, 
And at the time, I want to say, this is the weirdest one because I'm almost having like a weird kind of like cross memory. I think what was happening is we were on the road and the sound company, we were with opening for Philip Phillips and their backline company had U87s. And I was like, let me borrow one of those. (laughs) So it was like the borrowed U87 into an Apogee duet or one. I can't remember which one I had. I had both. But we'd be in the hotel room, like unplug the refrigerator. You know what I mean? Like set up some blankets and stuff. And they're both listening on in-ears. And so that's if, it, you know, if, when, whatever it does come out. I mean, that's like the vocal and, and guitar sound you're hearing on uh, oh, that's right. quite a few of those songs. Wow. That's awesome. Whatever that's worth. If that's you're really a nerd. Cool. Yeah, no, I think I remember seeing like videos of like that got posted like to their Facebook or something to y'all's Facebook that was like, oh, recording stuff in hotels. But that's like the actual record. Yeah. That's I love awesome. it. That's awesome. That's yeah. the best. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're going to we're going to start wrapping it up. Jonathan, why are you so fucking cool? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thinking I'm cool, man. So I appreciate no problem. It. I really, really do. Yeah. No. Well, thank you so much for coming on Church Jams now. Um, where can people like find you, follow you if you if they want to check out any of the cool shit you're talking about? Man, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram a little bit. I, I still have problem with like the fucking playing the game the fucking instagram hustle you know like what i don't know what that is yeah, dude. you know <laughs> dude uh yeah we all get it like we yeah, yeah. <laughs> all get it <laughs> yeah you know what my instagram user is click limon and um that's my my uh french you know arch nemesis uh <laughs> alter ego but uh, who makes new jack swing and house music but anyway nice. um Man, some of the records that I've done is uh, Click and the Melochromatics. That's on, on Spotify, and, and a lot of that shit is just, like, at home, satisfying my own urge, but also aimed for some TV spots. Uh, Moda Faro, M-O-D-A-F-A-R-O. That's with Kelsey, who sang with us in Twin Forks. We did a project. Uh, there's there's uh, five songs out there that are really good, man, and, and, um, and she sang that in her house at Florida. And sent me vocals, and I recorded that here. You can check those songs out. Nice. Um, Isa Fernandez, uh, dude, she's incredible. We've done a lot of stuff together. And um, YSA, it's uh, Sounds Like Isa, Sounds Like YSA on Instagram. She's incredible. And she's, dude, she'll come over and manages, like, doesn't give a shit, push you out of the way, start playing fucking keyboard, play bass guitar, sing. <laughs> like, she's a Pro Tools girl. You know what I mean? She's like, she's so good, man. Um, Kiki Holiday, K-I-K-I. I'm just trying to give a shout out to people that I've been working yeah, dude, with recently that I believe for. in, you know what I mean, that are doing it. But Kiki Holiday, um, she's an incredible writer, and uh, it's very. I remember being on the phone with her the first time, just being like, oh, this person's serious. Like, they're serious <laughs> about their art and their music <laughs> and, and their career trajectory and stuff. And um, Man, she's incredible. And uh, big homie Sean Zorn, he played... He played uh, drums and twin forks with us man but he's out all over the place and he's playing with some like some very classic people man very uh good musicians and um amy levere and uh he's he's great to check out um i know you're asking where can you find me but i'm just telling you people <laughs> that i like that, that i know and um but yeah that's about it i don't know what else cool I mean, that's I want to talk to you guys forever. I'm sorry you got to cut it off, actually. <laughs> no, I'm it's so fine. Sad, we'll, we'll, we'll stop recording, but we can keep talking for Is a Twin bit. Forks uh, active on Instagram? Are they are they doing stuff? 
No, it's not active. And uh, like I said, you know, when they started touring uh, with Dashboard back again, man, it just really just kind of, and, and Ben was part of Twin Forks and Ben, uh, he was playing with Dashboard. But then, you know, he kind of moved over in, into the group love world. And I don't know, I, you know, given time, you know, things will align and come out the way sure. they're going to come out, you know. But, but right now, everybody's kind of like doing their own thing. You know, talking about, you know, Chris doing Dashboard, it's like, how do you not do that? How do you not make that the main thing? Like, that's the legacy. Right, right. You know, that's the legacy band, you know? Definitely. And, um, yeah, and so so they're still, you know, they're out there touring, man, and doing shit up and writing, and, you know, he's he's releasing stuff, you know? Um, but uh, is that is that the end of that? Is this I think that's the end. Formal? We got you. That's the end. Uh, uh, okay, from all of us here at the CJN crew, May all your favorite bands stay together. Uh, peace out, my friends. Church jams. Now we all listen to "Mercy Me" for like ten fucking years because that I can only imagine <laughs> song. But yeah. it's Not like okay, that guy came over once. Really? Oh, we're, we're gonna have yeah, to. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Is his name Bart? Is that Bart, right? Yeah, Bart, Bart Miller. Miller. Yeah, yeah.